Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Transitioning away from Europe, let's talk about a region we haven't talked a lot about. I don't know if if this is a, a region that gets a lot of coverage, really, when you look at the global cannabis industry, and that's the Middle East. And we saw in the last uh, seven days, Lebanon approving and allowing low THC cannabis cultivation. What do you see with, when you look at the Middle East and cannabis? What's the future hold there? Um, is it bright? Is there a big consumer market? Well, so uh, we saw that with Lebanon. Uh, we had been talking with a couple of groups there that were asking for just a couple pieces of advice as to uh, how to structure different legal components of their law. Um, but uh, other than that, not intimately familiar with what's happening in Lebanon. But we are extremely familiar with another much smaller uh, Middle Eastern country. We're working directly with them in helping craft uh, their cannabis policy, or at least their cannabis policy alternatives. And what seems to be the common theme here is, to your point, the low a- low THC element, meaning industrial hemp, or at least cannabinoids produced from industrial hemp, can make their way into the domestic marketplace for a variety of reasons. I think we'll start to see that over the next three to five years in a major way. I will start to see those regions ultimately try to compete in an export marketplace Although it begs the question of whether it's sensible to grow uh, uh, industrial hemp or or cannabis or or marijuana products in what's effectively the desert. Uh, It seems like that would increase the cost of production dramatically, which would make that product not necessarily competitive in this global cannabis economy. So I, I think you'll start to see those things roll out all over the world, let alone in the Middle East region, and that people understand that cannabinoids can actually have a, uh, a benefit uh, on, on the population uh, and a positive health impact and not just be deemed something that gets somebody high as a bad thing. Uh, I think we'll, we'll start to see more and more of those countries take hold of it. It's just uh, they've got to see what their neighbors do. This is not unlike... We're talking about this on a global scale, but it's not unlike one city looking at the next city saying, I'm not going to legalize marijuana. And by the way, I should take a step back there. When marijuana gets legalized in most states across the United States, there's usually a local option, meaning local cities or counties don't have to have marijuana stores or production or manufacturing. They're not, they don't have to. They can do it when they want, if they want. They have the local option, so to speak. So when one city is contemplating it and saying, oh, the tax uh, would be nice, the tax revenue, having additional jobs, that would be nice. But we don't want to be the ones to get out front and do it because we might make a mistake. We might have egg on our face or let somebody else take those bullets first. That's what we see. The exact same concept is happening, but on a global scale. Neighboring countries are doing this all over the globe. It was Germany first and then Poland second. 
different program, different scale, but they're watching each other and the same exact thing's going to happen in the Middle East. It's happening right now. Well, we, these are those patterns that we've talked so much about. None of this is happening in a vacuum and there are certainly things we can be seeing. We can we can trace the evolution of these things. We can see the patterns emerge. People say it's a, it's a, not, it's a, it's a brand new industry and, and in a sense it is, but it's been evolving and developing for over 10 years now. 10 years is not an insignificant period of time to identify, to your point, those patterns. Those patterns exist. For, so, for someone to come in without the experience and to say, I can chart a path for this from a policy or a commercial standpoint, they're just dead wrong unless they have those patterns identified. And who better to have those patterns identified than folks that have been working in the industry at a high level across the country, around the world for 10 or more years. And that's the kind of expertise that exists out there that not a lot of people know about. No. Kind of like the Hoban Law Group. Moving over in the same vein, another country or another region that, uh, I say country, I'm absolutely wrong here. I'm talking about Australia. But now they're unveiled a proposal for over-the-counter CBD. My understanding is that hemp has been around in Australia. This is a country that has been looking at the fiber, been looking at the grain and been cultivating, and yet they've never touched the cannabinoids. But guess what? All these other countries are, and now seems like they're kind of getting on board. Uh, can you speak a little bit to, to that policy change? Yeah, I mean, there's a company called BioFiba, which exists in Australia, and it's a large pallet manufacturer, a global pallet manufacturer. Uh, and they're looking at industrial hemp to produce pallets. We've seen industrial hemp fibers, to your point, industrial hemp cultivation utilized across uh, Australia for quite some time now, but they haven't used the cannabinoids. Why? Sean Hawking told us a little bit about this the other day when we talked to him, uh, a resident of Sydney, Australia. He says that, you know, generally speaking, and of course this is a stereotype, Australians love regulation. They like to overthink everything and get it set up perfectly before they do anything. That's just normal politics. Throw in the fact that this is a plant that's been stigmatized. Throw in the fact that we have to be sure that the science actually backs up putting these products into the marketplace. You can understand why it maybe is taking slower and, or, or that it's more methodical in that part of the world. But, you know, there are publicly traded companies. Elixinol's from Australia. There's a number of other, you know, high-profile global cannabis companies right now that are headquartered, publicly traded, and or uh, uh, producing within Australia. So I, I think that's just a sign of how their politics works and how their, uh, their general sentiment about change has worked. Last but certainly not least, looking to Brazil. We've talked about this. Brazil's uh, state-run healthcare model. They have approved CBD. They are letting more products in. Um, certainly something to be excited about. And I guess what would you say to any company that's here in the United States and is considering trying to get their products down into the Anvisa system in Brazil? Well, I'm very proud to, to say that we just uh, uh, added uh, counsel uh, in Brazil. Uh, we now have uh, lawyers on the ground in Brazil that are very much in tune politically uh, and in tune with the market uh, demands and the culture in terms of how this is developing on the ground there. Uh, Importantly, that they do allow import material only. That's not going to last forever. 
This is an opportunity to go to Anvisa, the nationalized healthcare system, obtain permission to import, uh, to work through the appropriate channels there to demonstrate that your product is safe, it's quality, it's consistent, and that it is what it says it is. And if you can do that, you go in and you begin to take some of that market share or at least position yourself to be able to do so. But until there's cultivation of these products in a country of over 200 million people, I'm not so sure that the uh, global trade in cannabinoid products is consistent or high quality enough to satisfy that need and to really get it started on the right foot, or as James Brown would say, on the good foot. There we go. And like I said, a lot's happened just in the past seven days. So thank you for tuning in to the Hoban Minute as we run through these global headlines. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hoban Minute special series on coronavirus and cannabis. You can head on over to hoban.law for more information on this podcast or the Hoban Law Group. If you have any ideas for subjects that we should be covering or any questions you want to pose to, to Bob or myself, shoot us an email at media at hoban.law. Stay tuned for the next episode on this special series, Coronavirus and Cannabis. <laughs>